everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as per usual, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Kind of a headache. I think it's just, just changing. My grandma, who is, I think I've mentioned before, I had a very Southern grandma. She would definitely say that it's the change in the seasons that is uh, annoying me. Uh, I don't know if that's just because she, like, wasn't up with allergies, but, uh, which normally I'm more of a fall allergies person, but I don't know. Who even knows anymore? Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about today? Not my allergies, I guess. <laughs> like, Annie couldn't even pretend to be interested in that. It's just really Sorry. great. Don't, don't work with your friends, is what I'm saying. Um, Listen, I have had no coffee since Tuesday. Yeah, I don't know. I would just be breaking that rule. I, but, I, um, I, I, I am functioning. I am proud of myself. I am breaking the caffeine habit. I will eventually get get through this. But yeah, it's just a little, I'm just a little like, yeah, there's no caffeine in my life. This would be an interesting episode is what I'm what I'm hearing here. <laughs> um, it's going to be an interesting episode anyway because of its topic, which is we are, as corporate emails like to say, circling back <laughs> to... The Gilded Age, which just wrapped up its first season on HBO, and I think, I think it was mostly a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have to say, so you know, there's been a lot of very negative stuff about people from people watching The Gilded Age on Twitter. Has it? I clearly like. I think I curate my feed pretty well. Um, I, I had seen several television critics basically dislike it. You know, well, I saw one who actually said, I can't believe anybody mentions this in the same breath as Downton Abbey. Um, like that well, kind of... Well, here's, here's the thing. I kind of get that. I like, I'll preface this as being like, I like the Gilded Age fine. It's a very pleasant diversion. The costumes are amazing. The actors are great. Also, nothing happens for like huge swaths of the show. Nothing happens. And that's okay. And... If you think about it, there are huge swaths of Downton Abbey where also nothing, nothing happens. happens. But uh, the difference is that Downton Abbey had a really singular romance to sort of hang its central theme around. And I don't think the Gilded Age has managed to do that yet. I'm hopeful for Marion and Dude from Poldark. But um, yeah, like there's just not like a singular relationship to sort of tie it all together. But I, I fully get the criticism that nothing happens on the show because nothing happens on this show well yeah but you know one of the things i i used to say about downton abbey is that season the reason i loved season one is the way it felt like a, a stone skimming across the timeline of these people's lives dipping in and out but never actually like going day to day to day because every day was sort of same same and there wasn't a lot that happened in their lives and that the to me when the show began to really fall off was when it would do these you know day day to day to day kind of stories or like where, Bates is a murderer yeah I like can't, I, I can't wait for I can't wait for Patrick Page to play like the murderous business <laughs> partner or whatever it'll be great he'll be great at it um I just I I, I really feel like um I I feel like the Gilded Age makes that mistake of the later Downtons of not doing the sort of skimming stone sensation that would help sort of it would help it the fact that there nothing happens for long stretches it would help also, I think um, 
and I said this when we talked about it before, there are too many people on this show. And I oh, know yes. that that is not that is not a unique problem to this genre or to Julian Fellow's program specifically. Downton had way too many people often as well. There are just too many people on the show. Like I still vast swaths of the servants could not tell you what their name is. <laughs> could not identify which one is church and which one is banister and which one is like ottoman or whatever like it's just they're there and they're taking up like real estate that i would rather be spent on other things i'm sorry the subplot about the cook being secretly from kansas like who cares also his midwestern accent is like fully terrible um so um to to you know one of the things that i i did uh, this is actually one of the more problematic things. And the thing that I kept seeing people complain about is that basically Agnes and Ada have nothing to do. They just sit around and throw bon mots at each other and then don't do anything. And this is a thing that it, it, it took me a couple. It took me a while to sort of get to the point where I would began to really see what they were talking about. And it really hit me in the episode where we had Edison doing the electric Edison's electric light uh, uh, show off thing in the uh, uh, in in the New York Times building, which was just a really beautiful visual. I thought, and and honestly, it it's it's one of fellow it's fellows actually doing one of the things fellows used to do a lot in Downton Abbey was actually restage some like historical events and have people go to them. And this is a historical event. It is a little bit different than uh, uh, Edison actually lit up a an entire city blo- uh, an entire city block, not just Sweet. the New York Times period, not just the New York Times building, but you know for 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 the for the intents of the show, they just made at the New York Times building. But anyway, the point is, Ada and, and, and Agnes don't go to this. Literally, two of your most important characters just sit at home in the dark while this is happening. Which is, and it's really striking when that's one of the few moments that actually cuts across all of the various class levels of the show. Like, mm-hmm. the servants are there, uh, Peggy and her family are, is Pe- Peggy's family that's there right no it's, it's no it's no, Peggy she, and no, Fortune it's it's, it's yes, Thomas right, Fortune who right. is a, who is a real person and that and 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 he really did run the globe and all of that is true yeah well she, Peggy's there and I her whole like working class situation like the rich people are there and they're rented carriages and snubbing people to go watch together like it's very it's one of the few moments that everybody is sort of in a different way taking part in the same thing except for your three top line actors yeah, I don't. I I did really feel like, and I wonder. And I didn't think of this, so you just said it. But I wonder if they just thought they were going to really use Agnes to sort of introduce Marion and then to like let her kind of backseat it because she really does kind of disappear into the background for the back half of the season, which I dis- dislike because I love her. Um, actually, what my take on it was is I started to look at Downton Abbey and ask myself, what did Maggie? Everybody says Maggie Smith and 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 um. Who played Isabel? Um, crap. Uh, uh, Penelope Wilton. Thank you, Penelope Wilton. Um, what did they actually otherwise have... known at Har- otherwise known at Harriet has Harriet Jones MP? Yes, we know who you are. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, I-, I asked myself, what did they actually have to do a lot of the time in Downton? And I went back and I watched, and I realized something: they don't actually have anything more to do than Agnes and Ada do. 
most of the time. Like they do have some stories like Isabel gets the romance. Um, but most of the time they really don't have anything to do. But the thing is they're in the house with everyone else. So things yeah. are happening around them. So they have something to react to. So it's not just that they, so so they don't have to have anything to do. Whereas Ada and Agnes have what? A doe-eyed Barbie blonde who doesn't actually have much of a personality. Who basically Disney princesses it up and thinks she's going to have a romance and then gets her heart broken. Like there's nothing for them to react to. Mm. I will also say Marion does not improve over the course of the season. Oh, Lord have mercy, does she not? She is fully the weakest link of the show. And it's upsetting because she gets so much screen time and inserted into every other plot. And it's because Fellows wants her to be his heroine. And that's fine, but you have to give her a personality. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, being new is not a personality. (laughs) Um, Being a Disney princess is not a personality. American heroines are not Disney princesses. This is this is Fellow's complete miscalculation. He thinks that's what we want as Americans, and he is wrong. He is wrong because literally look at what we loved from him. We loved Lady Mary, we loved Lady Violet, we loved women who were angry. And she has no anger. She has nothing. She has even she, she, when she gets even when she gets like publicly dumped. Basically, uh-huh. she's still like it's fine. I guess we'll still be friends. And, and and it's not just publicly dumped, but publicly dumped for a bastard of a of a train of a train mogul who no one will actually admit is actually his love child. Like oh, by the way, that's actually true. Um, Sissy Bingham, the the real person, it was named something else. Bingham was the uh, was the last name of the of of the paramour who had the baby. Um, but this that that whole thing is actually like a real story. In the same way that like there there were so many little bits of history that he like weaves in and out of this that I really loved. But also, for God's sakes, if if if, if it were me, I would have been like, cut that, you know, give him the cut direct. And does she no? No, no, she's I'm so she's such a cipher. Oh, and it's painful. so annoying. Like the only time she has a personality is when she brings Peggy the shoes. And that is just I have to say, you know, I have a lot of issues with the way that the show fails to ground a lot of its history in the racial history of America, especially since it is bringing black characters to the forefront of a period piece. But that moment I really did want to applaud the show because you know that this show is geared towards older white women. And 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 you know that Fellows thinks of Marion as his heroine. And he and to actually have the nerve to screw his nerve to the sticking point and to do that and have her be that tone deaf, you know, Karen character. I I I really was pleased to see that the show could manage that even if it couldn't maintain it. I I agree to a point, except for the fact that there's almost no like consequence. From no, that's it. what I mean. It couldn't maintain it. That's what I mean by like, it couldn't maintain it. Like it just happens, but it doesn't really change her relationship with Peggy that and much. And it absolutely should. Like Peggy forgives her like right away. There's one uncomfortable conversation and we all move on. And I did not want that. I wanted it to stay. No, I'm not your friend. And they didn't have the nerve to do that because they don't actually have the nerve to make Marion unlikable and if they actually had the nerve to make Marin unlikable at least she'd have a personality I mean I just still can't get over the fact that she doesn't get mad at the guy who cheats on her <laughs> like he doesn't like he, he doesn't just, just cheat on her he literally went to work instead 
He like text message breakup with her. That like, was amazing. Like she was she was humiliated in front of all those women. And like, yeah, we all knew it was coming. And yeah, they all knew it was coming. So like, you know, they're all like, oh, there, there, pat, pat, pat. Um, you 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 fell you you fell for uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna use the word. You fell for a fuck boy from nine from eighteen ninety, pat, pat, pat. Um, but you know, I just I I I really wanted Marion to improve, and I'm so unhappy that she didn't. And I swear to you, if she doesn't improve in season two, this show is toast. I um I don't even know if I would use the word improve. Can you tell me what is Marion's arc this season? Because None. I don't think I can define any sort of growth or journey that she goes on other than she gets like more invites to parties, I guess. She is a walking plot device that makes other things happen. That is what she is. She is the thing that delivers the thing to make the thing happen. She is the thing that sees the purse at Bloomies when the lady runs out and brings it in and accidentally is in the right place at the right time so that George can go free. Those are the kinds of things she is. She is not actually a character, except that they give her this love interest thing, which we all know within, you know, like I, I did actually think for a minute, maybe we were doing the Disney Prince and Disney Princess thing. Because oh no, the that, minute somebody was like, oh no, he's going to start enjoying being out in New York. I was like, well, this is done. Yep. And Agnes was absolutely right from the first. And because I, for, for all that they, the other thing, the other thing that I'm just realized is sort of stuck in my craw a little bit about this character is that they sort of want to have it both ways. Like they sort of want to present like she's this genteel poverty case with no future, but she also struggles, no struggles with no like financial deprivation or privation at all. Nope. Like, like her life is the same as everybody else's. She just doesn't have a dowry. Yeah. And you know, she goes shopping at Bloomies. Like she has no, she has nothing to do with her life. Like she isn't even trying to do things. Like she isn't even trying to really do charity, charity. Like she sort of makes like fake sort of like motions towards it. Um, by the way, I can can we just stop for a bit? I loved Clara Barton. I loved Clara Barton. Clara Barton was one smart lady. I loved everything. I loved how she was using these people. I loved how she was happy to let them use her as long as she got their money. I, I mean, I this, this show made Clara Barton look like a genius. <laughs> um, I can't say I have a lot of strong feelings about Clara Barton one way or the other, except I enjoyed her. I enjoyed her racial progressiveness. <laughs> Which may or may not have been historically accurate. I don't know. Um, I don't think that part was historically accurate. I think that part is more, you know, part and parcel of we're showing how like ev- she wants to reach every single audience, no matter who they are, no matter what they are, because they could help her. And you never know who could help you when you're trying to build something like the Red Cross. But I do actually think that um, if I historically looked, she probably is one of those suffragettes who stepped on black people's freedoms in order to uh, elevate white women. I would not be surprised because th- that was the truth of a lot of women in her position. I mean, it just was. Mm. And that speaking of that, that is the other real problem that I have with the Gilded Age is the the, a- the one it, it, <laughs> it, it, it is is it does not feel grounded because there is a level where they will not admit how much slavery and how much post uh, the 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 post restoration period here, not restoration, reconstruction. Um, reconstruction. You thank you. Um, and how post reconstruction really was affecting all of this. Um, well, and not even and not even from like a race relations perspective, which is equally important. But all of these jumped up money people are getting their money rebuilding the South. They're getting their money rebuilding the South. They're getting their money building the railroads, which is the biggest expansion westward took place after the Civil War. Like, there's just. It, 
there's yeah. no grounding to it. It's all just sort of happening without actually trying to, as I said, you know, Fellows had this way with Downton of sort of seeding it within the history of things. You know, the Labour Party comes into power. You know, there's there, there's these different things sort of happening under underneath that sort of pin everything down. And I either he doesn't know or he doesn't care or he's too or he's too embarrassed to to or or doesn't want to touch it um but it really is a problem because you know a, a lot of a lot of the russells like you know robber baron stuff sort of just sort of floats away because there's nothing grounding it you know the 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 whole banker stuff the newport stuff okay can can we talk about the history of newport newport i don't was, i don't know the history of newport okay to be honest. i'm gonna talk to you about the new history of newport so you remember how um uh, agnes says why if we all go to newport why don't we still go to i think she says saratoga Springs or something and and it's because up until the 1860s that's where all the white pe- all the rich white people went is where agnes said they go in 18 in the 1860 up until the 1860s newport was where people from georgia and virginia the plantation owners all went to escape the heat and then in 1860 they only saw they all stopped showing up for some reason mm-hmm. so then the the south loses the war and now they're not coming back and newport is basically crashing and the the guy um um who Nathan Lane plays he basically he basically shows up in New York without like a dime to his name he literally spends the last of his money on a really great suit and goes and basically charms the hell out of Mrs Astor and the two of them basically like make up the 400 as this way of making an exclusive club and his way of making money the reason that he has all this money is because he has been selling parts of newport to these rich new yorkers convincing them to come to this place that is basically crashed out and making them spend you know hundreds of thousands of dollars which in today's money is millions of dollars on property and building these giant houses there and it's all basically because you know as you notice he has a southern accent mort McAllister has mort McAllister was from georgia this is this is this is him basically coming in now all of his georgian all the rich georgian people aren't there this poor georgian man basically coming in and it's selling like re- all it's the- like re- it's like reverse carpet bag yes <laughs> His story is fascinating, and the whole thing where, like, he—I don't know if you got this sense—but in 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 the in the in the Newport episode, he feels a little bit like a timeshare dude. Like every time Mrs. Russell seems weak, he's like, "Or you could buy some real estate," and that's because that's how he makes money. He needs to make that sale. That's why he takes her to Mrs. Astor's house, not because he, out of the goodness of his heart, not because he wants to show off Mrs. Astor's house, but because he thinks that will seal the deal and she'll buy. And 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 all of this is just it, 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 they don't they, they they don't actually like they they they, they don't bother delve into any of that they just it so it feels kind of hollow. That is interesting, um, because I also feel like people like like uh, Bertha Russell would have to buy in a place like Newport because no one would sell them anything in Saratoga. Exactly, like he knows that she can't get in with the old old money. So she has to come to the new money. And he's basically like, that's why she's, that's why he invites her out there. And he, he is, you know, this is how he made his fortune back, basically. And Although, to be fair, some Southern families did go to Saratoga. And I know this because Scarlett O'Hara talks about it in Gone with Wayne. Oh, that's true. Oh, you're right. She does. And it's, and, and it's sort of a thing where, like, they're going where the rich New Yorkers are instead of the rich plantation owners. And they're a step up from the rich plantation owners who are seen as sort of, well, you know... They're from the South. (laughs) 
Anyway, so yeah, like that's just I I it, it the thing is is that I like the Gilded Age. That's the worst part about this. Like I've just sat here and ranted for twenty minutes of all the things that are wrong with the show. But I actually really love. I I really like the show. Oh no, I like it too. It's it is it is um it is a pleasant diversion to use a sort of time accurate phrase. I mean, God, Carrie Coons's dresses are just you know what? There's only one I wish I wish um Bertha had more of a I don't not an arc, but I guess maybe an arc. Like her entire her entire arc is to get Mrs. Astor to come to her house. Yes. I mean mission accomplished by the end of the season, I guess, but that's also not a personality. I, I would agree. I, I I I can't argue with that. It is true. It is it is very much a lo- it, you know one of the things that I saw people complaining about when they talked about how you shouldn't talk talk about the show in the same breath as Downton Abbey is that there's no stakes here. Yeah, there's no stakes in Downton Abbey either. Like everything is low stakes. Like the closest thing we get to a stake is George could actually go to jail. Like that is the closest thing to a high stakes. I mean, thing. I guess some people died in that train crash we never saw or heard about again. <laughs> Right. Like there really isn't. So so, it, you know, Bertha having this sort of low stakes, her whole mission in life is to get this one woman to come to her house is actually pretty in keeping with the sort of Downton low stakes kind of not really doesn't really matter what the what the stakes are. Let's just everybody everybody keep going like that's. I, I that didn't bother me so much. I I will say I was very amused that the one episode where because I rank dresses every episode, um, in my recaps over at AV Club, um, the only episode where I did not give the winning dress of the week to uh to Carrie Coon was for to Donna Murphy in that final scene in the ball where she Donna uh, Murphy is incredible. Donna Murphy and that 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 necklace she wears and that dress she has on for the ball are just to die for. Um. Yeah, I I have to say, like the costumes are to die for, the houses are to die for, everything about like the visuals of this show are so well thought out and so beautifully done. And there's a level where I don't, even though I know this show is hollow and that this show could be so much better, I I I I'm like yes, okay, but Carrie Coon just did you just see what she wore? She walked across that ball ballroom. <laughs> I mean, I like I like it. I like it fine. I don't feel like I need I don't feel like I need to be a huge evangelist for it. Like I have been for other shows like Downton or or something like that. But uh, I do think one of the interesting thing it tries to do, try things it tries to do, but does very poorly. And I think possibly this is because Julian Fellows doesn't understand capitalism is is I like that as opposed to Downton where we get the whole like servants just love working angle. They try in a way to balance some of the focus on capitalism of the upper classes with a similar focus among the servant classes. Like, you know, they're clearly people got second jobs. They're trying to like, you know, sneak a day moonlighting over at the neighbor's house to make some more money. They have to like take out payday loans from shady people. Like, that oh, kind of oh, thing that, is that really scene with Armstrong. That scene with Armstrong where she goes home to her mother. Yes. So and like that, and then she and then she comes back. And then of course that's literally the only time we literally we we see anything about that or a scene of her on her own. But like that like they try to contrast the sort of opulence of these people with the way the people that support that lifestyle are struggling. But then it just none of it goes anywhere. And none of the none of the 
none of the lower classes are clearly defined enough as characters or there's too many of them. So you can't remember which one is which like for it to really have an impact. But I think that's something the show is trying to do, if not succeeding at it very well. Um, I would also say that at the end, Fellows goes back to his comfort zone where the happy servants just want to please people. Like, it was very striking to me that in episode nine, we have Bridget <clears throat> Bridget and Jack watching the ball from across the street and 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 the way that they basically it, I felt very and and the people downstairs you and know the Midwestern cook comes back to save the day even mm-hmm. though they fired him yeah like all of that take it take your money and run sir yeah no all of that like all of that really you know I really felt like you know I was like oh there we go fellows finally found his happy provincial servants again like we he got it took him all season but he got there um because now that I'm saying all of this out loud, I really feel like I wish that's something that they would have have dug into a little bit more. Because, you know, New York has never been a cheap city to live in or to try to make a life for yourself in. And I think that would have been a really interesting dichotomy, given given how heavily it leans into the opulence of the the money, the people with money. And I also, of course, you know, then there's, of course, Brooklyn and the fact that they don't, you know, I... I... I really want more Brooklyn. And at the same time, I know that they're probably giving me all of Brooklyn that that that, that fellows can handle. <laughs> um, also, I just think the whole story about like her dad gave her son away. Yes. The plot is a little like, what? Yeah, I know. I was a little like, what on that too? Um, and, and that's sort of one of those things where like... <laughs> As someone who is childless, it always really bothers me when we have a, a, a plot where my maternal feelings um, is the is the driver because the, it always feels a little histrionic to me. And I really, really can't. I, I just I just can't really. I, I, I just don't get into I it. Know, part of part of me is just like, shouldn't couldn't we have a better storyline for these people? Yes. <laughs> like, I, that's I mean, just what it boils down to is this is dumb. And, and, and seriously, considering that uh, this is post-Reconstruction, her parents were either born, her parents were born in a time of slavery when if they if they lived in the South, they were slaves. If they lived in the North, they feared being kidnapped to be taken to slavery. Like the, these, the, the, her parents are, tra- are, are, should be traumatized as hell. And she and she is just and the thing about Peggy is that she's just young enough to have no memory of that she is literally born just after the civil war and all of this is just what her parents tell her so she has no actual experience with it and I think there there is such there there is such a wealth of material in that generational divide right there between those three people why are we talking about babies well not I, I just I just don't Okay, like, I believe that her dad is really strict and traditionalist. Mm-hmm. I get that. Like, that fits to me as to what we've seen of that character, the time period he grew up in, the stuff he's probably been through. But I don't think he's traditionalist enough to, like, take his grandchild and drop him off in Philly and peace out and then lie to everybody and the child died. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it is. And it it it. 
the only way you can justify it in my mind is that we are literally talking about someone who is super traumatized, but then we're not actually dealing with the super traumatized part. So it's all I, I would really much rather know about like because I think I said this before. I know we've one of us, both of us probably have said this at some point over the last few months is that there are really not a story, a lot of stories about black middle class families nope. or or yeah, they're probably maybe upper middle class families in in this time period. I like why not take this opportunity to be like, how did they do this? What does this, you know, what is this line of demarcation for their life versus almost everyone else that they that they could have been? You know, I don't. I just can't believe they're like, you know, what we should do is definitely have her have a secret baby that her dad essentially sold. That's a winner. <sighs> Yeah, I I have to absolutely agree with that. Um, I also, you know, one of the things about this, you know, is and and the thing that I've sort of been very aware of is that we have a a, a white British man writing about black the black American experience and how not 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 qualified he is in a way to be quite doing this. But then they have Sally Richardson Whitfield. And I feel like she's the one who directed basically all of the episodes that are the standout Peggy episodes. And I I wish that he would basically collaborate with her and have her write some of this so that it would feel less I don't know quite what, but something. <laughs> well, the other the other thing is is that I think I think we all have a little a little bit of a, a remove from Downton and it's mm-hmm. got that real like serious prestige sheen on it. But at its heart, like Downton is exactly what the show is, which is a soap opera. Yes. And the thing is, is that it's he is he is more interested in telling these sort of soapy, very dramatic, like over the top emotional stories than he is like delving into middle class black people in early 19th century America. Or I guess that would be late 19th century America. But still, but you can have both. You can dive into that and have drama. You can do both. Why not both? As the as as that as that meme goes, right? Like I I just I, you know the I'm fact just of- I'm just I'm just saying. Let us consider the time Julia Fellows decided to introduce us to jazz and be careful what we ask for. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Okay, Sally Richards of Winfield is also a, an executive producer on this show, and that's honestly why I think like I I would like you know I I I, I she is as tied to the show as he is so. I I I don't know how to fix it, but I feel like there the I feel like the ingredients to fix some of this are there. I just don't know if people actually have the nerve to get off their butts and do it. Uh, I don't think they're particularly interested in that show, though. I am. I I am very interested. In, I am very interested in someone giving me a period piece. Honestly, I would be happy if Peggy and her family, like I I I I know that like that 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 like you know her parents are played by serious Broadway actors, right? I know Audrey McDonald and John Douglas Thompson have on stage roles that they have to go play and that they would much probably rather be doing than a television show. But I would really love to see these three actors just basically taken off and like given their own show. That doesn't have any I I would love a period piece about about this time period, about these kinds of people, about these kinds of stories, because this is literally what we've been missing for since period pieces started. Julian Fellows is not the man to make that show. No, probably not. But I'm just yeah, definitely not. Also, can, can, just speaking of the fact that we had Audrey McDonald, who sat at a piano for five seconds and did not sing me one note. 
Um, do you know how many Broadway people are in the show? Oh like, they can my do, god! Like, so yes. many. Yes. Where is my musical episode? Damn it! Like so the musical many. episode would be amazing. Yes, and I know that part of the reason why we have so many Broadway actors and so many like incredibly talented actors is because this was filmed in 2020 and 2021 when Broadway was shut down and all these people needed work. And basically, they all just decided to go up to Troy, New York, and film this, and you know had a great time. But man, I really hope they get a lot of them back for next season. I mean, I would love to see Nathan Lane come back. I'd love to see Donna Murphy come back. I'd love to see Kelly O'Hara come back. I mean, I. Gene Triplehorn, like I, I want all of these characters to come back. Like I don't know what. Speaking of Gene Triplehorn, what do we think they were trying to do with that character? I don't know because you know, in in I just, reality, it just feels like a real waste. Gene Triplehorn is amazing, and that just feels like a real waste of her. In 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 reality, there were there were women like Mrs. Chamberlain who basically were ostracized from society when their husbands died because they lost the protection of their husbands, um, because they had been sli- because they'd been sleeping around or whatever. You know what they did? They moved to Europe. They went and they lived in Italy. They went and they lived in France. Like they had a grand old time overseas living it up in Paris. Why is she here being snubbed when she could just take her gorgeous Easter egg filled art collection and go to Paris? I know, right? She owns it like the Degas statue. The woman is not poor. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Can I just say the first time we did that tour of her house, I was like, oh my God, the, the, the art history Easter eggs in this room. Like, oh my God. It was it, it just just it's just stunning. And yeah, no, there is no uh, honestly, there is there's no reason for her to be living in New York. There's no reason for her to be there other than Julian Fellows wanted to demonstrate what happens to women who live outside the norm. Um, I guess, except Carrie Coon's out here living outside the norm. Oh, my God. Carrie Coon's so- she's okay, just making yeah, Bertha's, ju- Bertha's just like making the norm fit her, which I guess I guess uh since I've already made what one Gone with the Wind reference today, uh, what is it Rob Butler says about uh, without money you can do without a reputation, uh, or, or with enough money you can do without, do without a, reputation. a reputation? Yes, and that is very much what she does there. Um, and you know, I, I part of it is I really do hope for that for a romance between Marion and and Harry Richardson's character. What's Harry Richardson's character? I don't know. I'm just like he's the guy from Poldark. That's all I know him as. Larry. That's and I feel name. like He's they literally. tried. I feel like they tried to give him some kind of subplot where he like wants to be an architect instead of like a railroad baron or whatever. But also, I don't care. Um, I did like that his argument that he won against Morgan Spector in 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 convincing his dad to let him go be an architect is nepotism is really stupid because gi- giving a giving a a, a, comp- a giving a, a company to your son is really bad. Like that's that like this is the, this is not the smart way to like pass your company on. Like I really did love that. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, like he I, seems really nice, but. He is very boring. Well, I mean, that's the other problem with, you know, because they are so into making Harry Coon and Morgan Spector these kind of these these larger than life characters, both of their children are sort of overshadowed. Like Gladys is also overshadowed. I mean, maybe that, which is really unfortunate because uh, Taisa Farmiga is a longtime alum, alum of Mer- American Horror Story. And I can mm-hmm. tell you that she is great. Um, she is capable of doing so much more than they are letting her do, but uh, I I don't think that's necessarily unexpected. I think a lot of times the children of either really like uh, groundbreaking or 
like large people i don't mean like large in size but either people who have like really big footprints or personalities or whatever are are often completely 180 degrees the other way because you can't how can you compete with that well that's actually what i feel like larry is arguing like he does sort of i mean yeah it's it's the idea that you know primogenitor is inherently anti-capitalist but you know it's he's also saying dude i'm not you and i'll never be you and don't pass this to me because i can't be you Right. And I feel like Gladys is not her mother, will never be her mother, and does not have the ambitions of her mother and is basically going to spend her entire life being run over by her mother. Speaking of although, which, the, although the thing, although the thing is, though, is because uh, because Bertha's out there like paving this way, like Gladys won't have to like she's legitimately friends with Carrie Astor. But what I also think, you know, there's that moment where they make her break up with poor Archie Baldwin. And he's and and Morgan Spector sits down and says to her, "We want more for me for you than a banker." And all I could hear was the 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 sounds of a boat heading to London, um, because they're going to get her someone with a title. Because I think that's what Carrie Coon wants for her daughter is to basically do what the Vanderbilts did, um, and and basically marry her to serious serious titleage against her mm. will and and make her miserable i mean that's what the vanderbilts did they actually like they they basically sold off their daughter to uh the uh, to like i forget what title it was um i i should know and i've forgotten but basically like the two of them are absolutely miserable together he beat the crap out of her and then finally she left him um and like they lived on different continents for the rest of their lives <laughs> but that's kind of what i see glad happening to gladys in season two is seeing her being forced to marry some titled guy that she absolutely does not want to marry well, is it that is that better or worse than the gay neighbor? <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, you know, I yeah. at least then she'll get to be a duchess or something. Can, can we talk about like Oscar and Turner and the whole like O'Brien Barrow vibes that that was giving me until oh, they right? can? It's totally right. And then they can and then they can Turner, which I just, you know, I actually didn't see that coming. Like when Agnes was like, I want to can the person across the street. The I want to can the lady's maid who doesn't even work for me because I think she because she was seen once in the street with my son. I was like, there is so much that is wrong with that. Agnes is so extra. She is right? so extra and everyone else is basic. I'm sorry. Right. Like, I was just like, man. But the truth is, is that, yes, a lady's maid could absolutely lose her job because the lady across the street saw her walking down the street with her son and decided to tell the person across the street to fire her. Right. And like, I actually thought that Bertha was going to like, you know, tie herself even tighter to Turner because Agnes had said this. And so when it, they actually fired Turner, which is, let's be honest, like fellows really did soften that blow by making it so that we all felt like Turner needed to be fired like way before Agnes demanded it so that we didn't question how actually quite wrong this all is um you know I I the the whole Turner thing where like she where like she sends a note across the street telling Bannister that it was church who ratted him out oh gosh please please stop naming people after the household furniture because uh, you know the thing is and i actually which, this, one, I, is, I actually, which one is banister is banister, banister is, okay banister is her banister is agnes's butler church okay. is carrie coon's butler right um and, and banister to, goes over to like moonlight across the street and agnes is mad Ag- oh yeah because 
and and he thinks he can get away with it because he thinks nobody over there is going he he thinks that Agnes will ban everybody from coming to this party so he thinks he can get away with it and then Marion shows up and Marion recognizes him now I was actually having this conversation with someone on Twitter um who was saying oh I knew it you know when Turner sent the message over oh I knew it was Church who did it the whole time and I'm like no it wasn't Church it was her and they're like but no I'm like no if Church was going to send that note he'd have sent it beforehand he'd have sent it earlier the what happens is Marion comes over, she sees Bannister, she reveals who Bannister actually is with Turner standing behind her with her coat in her hand, and then the note goes over. It's totally Turner who sent the note to Agnes telling her, trying to basically ruin her mistress's dinner and or luncheon or whatever. And instead, it totally backfires because, like, Ward McAllister is totally tickled, right? Like, he's like, oh, look, it just dropped in. That's so cool, right? And, 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 yeah. And now she's trying to make trouble by, like, telling Bannister that it was Church who did it. And I'm sure that's going to backfire, too. I don't... Does she have another job? Like, what is she doing? And the, the, the thing is, I'm talking about all this, and I'm like, you don't even care about this storyline, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> Like I said, this I I truly can name possibly three of the servants. Which ones? I want to know. Uh, well, I can. I know that Bannister and Church are people who exist. <laughs> Could not really sure which one is which. There's the German cook who stole things. Mm-hmm. Um, the terrible lady's maid who tried to sleep the boss. Mm-hmm. That's Turner. Um, I don't know. There's that. There's that. Do you know what nice. the stalk, do you know do you know what the name of the stalker one is? Stalker. The one who's stalking his old mistress. That's Will. No. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. I'm not even sure that I noticed that storyline was happening. Um, yeah, oh. he he basically goes for he basically goes for walks and then he stands by a tree and he watches her get out of her carriage. Oh, okay. I have seen him do that and I was like he's I was like this is really boring. I'm very good at tuning out the parts of things that I think are boring. So I yeah, I remember him sort of loitering by trees. Could not have told you his name. He looks okay. kind of like the guy who gets to play like the heavy in bar fights a lot, like a bouncer. He got he has like bouncer vibes to me. Okay, he is for the record. He is actually um the valet. He is actually George's valet. So if we are looking, if we are looking for the one who's going to go to jail, that's him. Um, his name is Watson, and uh, the yes. the. She could and, not have could not have told you that if you paid me. And and the lady who, and the lady who he's madly in love and his his old mistress who he's madly in love with is Mrs. McNeil and he totally like goes ape when she shows up at the uh at at the ball at the end that she's there and he and and he's there as the servant and he can't handle it and he runs away. <laughs> so that is a subplot that happened on the show apparently. Um like i mean honestly like i'm really the fact that i had to recap this every single week is why i know this i know i was like there's literally no way anyone else watched this this closely (laughs) blame 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 i got paid to put i got paid to do this okay that's the only reason i know i mean honestly like it, it, it i i want to like this show so much more than this show is worth liking yeah. I think is part of my problem. Um, I think you know, I think it's fine. And I do. I do think that they just need to pare the hell down next season. Yeah, there's too many people. I don't know how you pare down. I do, and the answer is based in the characters whose names I can't tell you. Stop trying to make the servants happen. Nobody is watching this show to find out that your cook is pretending to be French. 
Like, who cares? Just stop. Like, let the okay. servants be in the background because they're servants. But I don't care about their lives. Basically do what Victoria did, sort of fade them out the way yeah. that the Victoria did in season two. I mean, yes, okay. But also, you know, I know that you make fun of the fact that 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 Monsieur Baudin um basically it turns out to be I forget what his actual like Midwestern name is. Um but uh the fact that that Carrie Kudis panics about that not because she's been had, but because it is the kind of scandal that plays into everyone's worst assumptions about her. Look at her. She's such a rube who pick who comes from potato pickers that she can't even tell a real French chef from a fake one. I mean, I guess, but there's plenty of other ways to do that without like I'm just saying the show has too many characters and they're the dead weight. So, I would I would agree. Jettison that, the dead weight. I I I'm I'm frustrated by the fact that they are such dead weight. You literally just described an entire subplot to me that I have no memory of seeing. That's hilarious. Like I just remember that man loitering sort of ominously, but then I realized I didn't care while he was why he was loitering. Um. Do you care? Okay. Do you care about Oscar and uh, John Adams the fourth? Um. Not in the sense that I think either of the... I mean, at least it's interesting. At least something's happening. Like, I'd like to... I, like, I think that's more interesting. It's more interesting to watch him figure out how to try to have his secret um, his secret love nest and marry a woman that has money than it is watching a guy from Kansas pretend to be French. Okay. Or that random man loitering. <laughs> I, I I will say that I wish I wish it was one household. The fact that it's two households is too many. And I don't know how you fix that. And like the worst part is that they even try to shoehorn in more households. Like they tried to make Mrs. Mrs. Astor's butler a thing in the last two episodes. Yeah. And like I couldn't I, I, I actually no do the line there. No idea what his name is either. No, I actually do the line there. I never in every other character I was like, okay, I don't know what their name is. Let me go look it up. In this one I was like, I don't even care who that is or who the actor is. No, that is one too many damn characters for me to have to follow. No, there's too many people on this show. And the thing is with fewer characters, there would be more time for the characters that are left to have actual depth or like an actual arc. Okay, I do have one other question for you. Um, and this is something that I sort of like was thinking about just before we started recording because I um can you tell where the where the episode got cut? Oh, because there was supposed to be ten. And not only was this supposed to be 10 episodes, but they filmed parts of 10 episodes because um, in, in interviews, Baranski actually refers to having filmed 10 episodes, oh, but they didn't finish. And so they sort of cut them into nine. And you can sort of tell around the Newport stuff that there is stuff missing, though I couldn't tell you what it is. But no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't really notice that. But I think okay. we've established that there's a good quarter of the show that I don't pay any attention to as it exists. So... <laughs> Not a great barometer, me. Okay, um, but I, I did, I did actually think that was interesting, and I wanted to remember to bring it up because I was like, yeah, that's one of the things about it. it, it I, I couldn't tell quite what had been cut or where or how, but I definitely felt like right around between episode seven, eight, and nine that there was definitely stuff missing. I mean, it does feel a little bit like now that I'm thinking about it, like they all go to Newport and like nothing happens there, really. Yeah, like they throw her out with the chickens and then suddenly we're all back in New York. 
yeah that yeah <laughs> now that i'm thinking about that but uh yeah i don't know i just figured they were like doing boring rich people things <laughs> you know i wouldn't mind that i wouldn't mind the skipping stones of yeah we skipped a few months here because nothing happened because they were doing boring rich people things i really wouldn't mind that i think the show would be improved by it but then again i thought that every season of downton would have been improved by it once i stopped doing it so right because technically they're in newport while george is getting is while well, george's case is falling apart or whatever yes yes uh, I don't know. I should. I, I the lesson here is don't try to think about the show too hard because it will make your head hurt. No, I, I think that is actually probably true. That this is a show that doesn't that, that that you can't think too hard about because when you do, you get frustrated. Um, and you know that's. I mean, that's the truth of some soap operas are just like that. But I still will watch season two, even though I desperately need Marion to improve, or I'm going to be done with the show. Yeah, Marion is Marion is the weakest link, and I really need them to figure out what they're doing with her it's one thing when you have a character whose job it is to be sort of like the audience pov into this world but like i like i said before i can't tell you even though she's experienced all these new things and met all these mega rich people and gone on trips and and gotten dumped at the proverbial altar i don't feel like the marion at the end of the season is terribly different from the marion that started the season and that is a problem for me so Somebody tried to compare her on Twitter to Lady Sybil, saying that she's basically the lady in in the same way that I say Turner is the O'Brien and and Oscar yeah. is the Barrow. Uh, that she's supposed to be the 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 idealist in the way that Lady Sybil is. But Lady Sybil is angry. Lady Sybil is angry that she can't wear pants. Lady Sybil is angry that she can't vote. Marion isn't angry about anything. Marion just wants to go to Bloomies. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's my one my one wish for. Well, I guess this is two wishes really. But less people, and and if Marion is is going to stay our primary sort of like audience POV character, they gotta like they gotta do they got they gotta do they gotta make me like at least vaguely care about what happens to her. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh look, she got hit by a drawery. Oh, that's sad. Like, that's where I'm at with that character. And really, like, give Agnes something to do. Like, you have Christine Baranski. Come on. Uh, yeah, you know. The fact that you need to give her, you need to give Agnes and Anna need something to play off of more than Marion. Marion is not enough. Like I did, I did think that the Ada stuff trying to help her was really nice. Yes, I thought that was really against type for Cynthia Nixon, which is why I really liked it. But but in general, both sisters need something to play off of that is actually giving real drama so that the fact that they are doing nothing but sitting around lobbing Bob Motts at each other is not noticeable. And it, right now, Marion is not Marion is not enough. Like, and and I think even if they improve Marion, she's still not going to be enough. They need to put her in direct, they need to put those two in direct opposition with Carrie. You know, they finally went across the street and they were all nice about it. What? Like, I, I was waiting for the fireworks and they never came. Like, I need those two to have like a real thing to play against and they just don't. It's a frustrating thing. And like you know, I, as you said, like maybe she'll have a re- maybe she'll have a relationship with Larry, and maybe that will be the thing that finally like lights this up. But right now, as is, it is it is hollow. Yeah, but I mean, like even if she did have a thing with Larry, like 
like Marianne's not getting the Van Ryan money. Like Carrie, no. Car- like Bertha would be like, "This is a waste of my son." <laughs> I'm just saying, you're not like, wrong. She would not like she would not support that match because he doesn't get anything out of it. I mean, I guess he would get the connection to like the old money sort of relations, but Marianne's last name is not Van Ryan. No, Marion is um but but the uh but the Brooke name is also old. Yeah, but not the same. Yeah. I don't know. I, the show is fr- the show is it's it's very strange cuz I do actually enjoy the show. It's also really frustrating. I don't know. It's a weird amalgamation of things. I really do hope they go to London next year and marry off Gladys to some terrible person with a title. Or maybe they'll or maybe they'll turn her into Cora Crawley. Who knows? Who can say? Um, we'll be, we'll, we'll be back to talk about that whenever season two premieres. Um, season two is going, is, is going into pre-production in the next few weeks, um, according to, to, to gossip. So I'm hoping that that is true. I'm hoping that they manage to get, I'm hoping that HBO manages to get this out again in the same sort of time slot for 2023, you know, considering that it took it 10 years, it took them 10 years to get this first season out. Um, Ah. I, 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 you know, I'll wait. I will, but I really want it to come. I really want them to, the, the waits to be over. I know, and, like, there's so many people. I'm not going to remember all of this if you wait too long. Just letting you know. I mean, okay, by the way, I counted um, when, when season two got renewed. The Gilded Age has 33 regular characters in season one. 33. Nope. Know how many Downton Abbey had? 19. Mm, 33 is a lot. 33 is way too many. All right, we're going to keep going on about this forever unless we stop it. So just tell the people where they can find you and more of your thoughts on this topic online. You can find me at Any Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Any Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my adorably fuzzy now two-year-old cats on Instagram uh, at Any Bundle. Aw, happy birthday, Max and Charlotte. They're so cute and so fuzzy and I love them. Um, Let's see, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily and I am the associate editor here at Televisions and I also freelance around the web. Um, All of my Gilded Age recaps are up at the AV Club, which I have now left. Goodbye, AV Club. You were great. My heart will always be with you. I read you. I have, I've been reading the AV Club since the 1990s and... It makes me very sad to watch everyone leave, but it was time. Um, yeah. Uh, I also, you know, write other things other places. So if you want to know what I wrote this week, just go to my Twitter and follow me there because I retweet all my bylines. Thanks. Huzzah. Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines. So just come be my friend to see what I am working on. If you just want the British stuff, the sites and the pod are on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter, televisions blog, all one word on Facebook. And you can find episodes of this podcast on our WETA YouTube channel at WETA PBS. We are at televisions.org where you can get news, recaps, all kinds of fun outlets for our thoughts and if you like what we do click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it support public media and get access to pbs passport which has a huge library of titles and a lot of early exclusive access to good lord a whole bunch of things coming this year including nicola walker's new series annika the second season of cobra the second season of sanditon and probably a bunch of stuff that my boss is going to yell at me for not remembering right now um Oh, I forgot. We also have a newsletter where you can round up all of our Ash stuff in one place and you can subscribe at televisions.org slash subscribe. That is, I think, the end of my ever lengthening spiel. 
here at the end of our show. But as always, uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Be careful of both the pollen and the lingering Omicron strains that appear to be still running around out there. Uh, I'm still wearing a mask in public places if you need somebody to tell you that other people are still doing it. And I don't know. This is season three of Pandemic Times, I guess, and it's really awful, and I know we're all over it, but we are the only way we're going to get through it. So I don't know. Do nice for somebody, something, do something nice for someone you don't know today, and let that be your springtime gift to yourself. Uh, in the meantime, we will be back next week with more long-winded diatribes on British TV, and uh, we hope you will join us. Thanks for listening.